Thank you for listening to this episode of Courtside Indiana Podcast. Please hit the subscribe or add button on your podcast app to get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. As always, we'd appreciate our rating and review. And you can reach us directly on our Courtside Indiana Twitter at CourtsideIND. Welcome to episode 101 of Courtside Indiana podcast. We are joined as always with Zach Tyler. Zach, we're, we're north of 100 episodes. What's we, we we didn't we didn't really do anything special for 100, right? We no. just move on like business as you like we act like we've been there before, right? That's right. Right. Just cruise yeah. right through. Yeah, it's tough because I don't know that we're <clears throat> I suppose there'll be a podcast someday where we where we do this, where we're in the same location and we do it, I don't know, I'll have like a little round table. We'll drag Nick up and bring on some various guests, who knows, but uh, anyway. So what was your best gift? For, what was your best gift for Christmas? We'll get into that briefly. All right, so yeah, um, I, my, my, my best gift probably was a pair of uh, personalized socks. I got a couple pair of dress socks with both my daughter's pictures on them, so. Nice, that's kind of a new thing, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of personalized stuff. I think it felt like it's new. Yeah, take your. Did you find that on Facebook? Yeah, Probably. I did not. No. No, you did not. Okay. <laughs> there's yeah, there's a little bit of that. Take your pet family pet picture and put it on. I don't know. Put it on a sock or something like that. I, I got a pair of uh, lined shoes. The shoes I wear, Olakai. We're gonna give them a little bump, and uh, I wear those a lot. And they have a set that's, um, they're extremely comfortable. They're the, by far the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn, but they have a set of shoes that are lined that you kind of wear when it's warmer out or cooler out, sorry, and even cold. So they're, they're, they're marketed as slippers, but they look like they're regular shoes. So, so that was by far my, 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 my best gift as far as how often those things are going to get used. So no, no question about it. So uh, real light week for recruiting. We're going to touch on that, and then we're going to go right into sort of like a three A hierarchy, and then we're going to get into our normal weekly uh, weekly features. But Zach, go ahead and get us up to date on recruiting, and we'll go on. All right. So we had Sam Orm. He got a couple offers. He's twenty twenty three from Carmel. He got a Toledo and a Loyola offer, and then the last offer was uh, KJ Wyndham. He had a IUPUI offer twenty twenty four from Ben Davis. Yep. You you saw you saw Sam this past week. You came down to the Valpo game. Yep, yep. Uh, what, what what were your impressions of him? I think people are they they're tired of hearing me talk about Carmel. <laughs> so yeah, Sam's long. Obviously, they haven't listed at six eight. Uh, uses that well. Uses that to his advantage, obviously as well. Uh, defensively, he gets in passing lanes and can rebound well. Alter shots, maybe block shots sometimes. Um, offensively. He can shoot it, so at that size, you really like having a guy that can shoot it from outside. Uh, not necessarily a post player. I didn't really see him working the post much at all. He got Charlie under there, so he doesn't have to right. doesn't have to bang around either. But, uh, but I, just just his size and length alone, and then his shooting ability, I feel like is and the way he can run the floor. He's not not slow or anything either. So, a lot to like about him as a junior in high school. I think the post-up aspect of his game will come as Charlie graduates. They don't um, – I mean, they do have other size, but none of it's size that you're just going to put them down low and go to work. They'll have two or three options going forward that they'll be able to mess around with and slip in. 
uh, slip into the post uh, of, you know, each possession. Um, you know, I think they will be, Charlie's a little more attached to the paint than, than what any of those kids will be going forward. Although Charlie's uh, it has improved range for sure. And, and also is, he had a really nice move um, where he put the ball on the floor and drove across the lane and put up a little baby hook and off the glass. And that, that was as good of an aggressive move as he's had uh, so far early in the season. And he was, he was really good against Valpo. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that game later, later in the pod, but, but um, no, I think, and Charlie still is, is best as he's moving without the basketball. He's still best when he's looking to attack um, closeouts Um you know, that has to, that has to be a large part of his game going forward. And, and as, as good as Carmel is, they've, they've not really clicked offensively yet where him and Suter and, and Williams have gotten going in the same game. Um, again, we'll talk about how that game went against Valpo, um, you know, but uh, then they've got other kids in the team that shoot the ball well and, and make it tough to just key on any one or two guys. So you know, the, the Wyndham offer, you know, the class of 2024 is, is I, don't, I don't have a great feel for it. And I think it's, it's not going to be a strong class coming through Indiana right now. I think there's going to be obviously some pieces that pick up, that pick up, you know, some players that pick up offers for sure. I mean, for example, right now, the class of 2025 has more players with division one offers than the class of 2024. Um, it's not an overwhelming it's not an overwhelming advantage, but it's, but it's definitely, uh, let me get back there real quick. When you, um, when you look at the, the number of offers and also the, um, if I can get my database to load up here, uh, that's good timing, right? Yeah. There we go. Um, when you look at the number of offers and also the, the, the caliber of offers, um, you know, it's just not comparable. Here's the 2024 list of offers we have. We have three players with offers. KJ Wyndham just picked up an IEPUI offer. They offer, they also offered Micah Davis. Micah Davis also has a Purdue offer or a Fort Wayne offer. Sorry. Started to say Purdue Fort Wayne. And then Josiah Dunham has the Evansville offer. So that's three kids in the class of 2024 that have reportedly have offers. If we've missed any, um, I don't, we don't know. I suppose it's possible. So two from IEPUI, one from Purdue or one from Fort Wayne, one from Evansville. 2025, on the other hand, has one, two. I guess they have the same number of offers, the same kids that have number of kids that have offers. Harrelson, Mullins, and Sisley. Uh, two of them have IUPUI offers. Uh, two of them have also have Indiana offers. Harrelson and Sisley have an Indiana offer. Sisley also has a Purdue offer, and Harrelson has a Maryland offer. And I, I think we'll find out as we go forward that 2025 is a, is a stronger class than, than what 2024 is. Um, I don't know how it compares you to 2023, but Sisley and Harrelson uh, loom pretty large as players that don't quite show up at that level in 2023 yet. Have you seen, have you seen those two freshmen yet? No, I haven't. I hope to get to see uh, Harrelson this week. Good. Oh, you will. You get a chance to see Fishers this week. Are they? Uh, Huntington North. They're up at Huntington, Huntington North. North stuff. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good. Um, and really, 
we've talked a little bit about it off the pod. I don't know if I've said it on the pod yet, but for me, the best 2024 kid is Fiore Badunga at Kokomo. And if you're listening to this, you probably know who he is. If you don't know who he is, he's a 6'10 sophomore at Kokomo. He came over as part of a um, an overseas program they have with a, a certain type of visa that they accept kids into. And, um, you know, f- for the most part, it's an academic opportunity for those kids that don't get that opportunity where, wherever countries they're from. Um, I don't know exactly how it works, but they have other non-athletes that are in the program, but Fiore came over as part of that. And he's super talented basketball wise. And, and he's been, he's lived up to it so far. I think he's the best player in that class. Hopefully he stays in Indiana and becomes, you know, a persistent figure in this class. Um, but he is, uh, he's an impressive athlete. He's an impressive, impressive physically. And his skill set is, is ever improving. It's been fun to watch him a little bit here. Uh, just early on, I saw him for the first time in the fall and I've seen him a couple times during the winter. So, all right, let's move on to the three, 3A hierarchy, right? Last week we did the 4A hierarchy. I think it became interesting as, as we had, you know, we had some of our top teams that we thought coming into it were taking some losses, not some necessarily some, but, but definitely being challenged and, and getting beat along the way. Um, the, um, and we've got a little bit of that at the 3A level now. We came into it, and you, and you weren't part of the preview stuff, but we came into it this year. Nick and I both did these. We both felt that Burbuff, Connersville, and Mishawaka Marion were our top three. Now, Burbuff has lost to Cathedral, one of our, one of our top 4A teams. Mishawaka Marion has lost to Westfield. Um, Westfield. And Connorsville took an unexpected loss this week to Monroe Central, um, who had a great week. <laughs> we'll probably talk a little bit about them later too today. Uh, they had a great week. Uh, they 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 were able to knock off Connorsville and Bloomington North. Although I think Bloomington North had us had an injury get sustained during that game. But um, and I felt like my top five, those three, along with North Harrison and Northwood, were pretty strong like we're going to be there no matter what what happened um now what's happened since then is north harrison's lost to brownstown central who remains undefeated and i i had brownstown on my top 10 uh northwood has not suffered a defeat and then we've got a team leo that i vastly underrated because i wasn't paying attention i didn't know if bontrager was going to be eligible yet and I'd forgotten about height shoe. They're, they're good incoming sophomore guard. So, so talk a little bit about Leo because you've, you've not seen him yet this year. You will appear pretty soon, but you know a lot about those guys. Right. I mean, DJ Allen, he's a D one football commit going to Rutgers. So you've got that to deal with inside. Uh, he can go outside too, though. Uh, Bond Traeger, obviously the big, the big move in or transfer in uh, was cleared finally at the beginning of the school year. Uh, he's made a big difference for them as well. Aiden Rubel at guard spot is tough. He's still around. And then they all, they got uh, Luke LaGrange also in from Blackhawk Christian, who's oh, a, kind of a forward combo kind of guy who is pretty tough as well. So they've got the pieces for sure. You know, and it's – it's look, Connorsville's going to have a big test coming up this week. They play in the Hall of Fame Classic. Um, they'll, they'll get – 
two definitely some two good games there. Uh, and they open, let's see, they open against Westfield. So they'll definitely get a challenge there. Yeah. Um, then they'll play the, however they match up against Homestead versus Cathedral. The winners obviously play. Then the teams that lose obviously play. Uh, Mishawaka Marion comes down. They also, they'll get a crack at Cathedral later today too. Uh, but Buff has already had a crack at Cathedral and took them to overtime. So um, that might, that might be the most impressive thing so far among that group. But I mean, three of these teams, no, four of these teams are kind of up in your, are definitely up in your neck of the woods. Mishawaka yeah. Marion, you've seen them play. Yep. What do you, their depth, I, their depth concerns me. Is it, do you feel the same or is it? Def- I yeah, definitely. Definitely their de- depth is concerning because they don't have anybody that can really come off the bench and, and fill in a scoring role if, if needed. Um, the little Sullivan, he, he can fill in and handle the, the, the guard spots, but, but other than that, and size-wise, they're not really – they don't have much either, depth. Um, yeah, definitely not depth. They, I mean, obviously, they're, I think they they have pretty good size at each position. They've got – I mean – All right, right. Yeah, Cacalia. And I think the game against Westfield – look, sometimes when you are when you don't get a chance to see kids play every, every game and you don't have a – you know, you don't have – like I could tell you the ins and outs of all the Carmel kids. But when I, when I watch teams that I don't see on a regular basis – and especially see kids for the, you know, for the first or second time, I always look at their coach, especially as they like with Kakalia shooting, he shot probably five threes against Westfield. I don't think I had ever seen him shoot a three up to that point, at least not in an organized game. Um, he, and I looked, you know, and I paid attention to the reaction on the bench. They were calling it. So this is obviously a shot that he has continued to develop. This is obviously a shot he's improved on. I think I talked a little bit about it in one of the, in the write-up that we did or that I did for the their game against Westfield. It is very much a part of his game now. And he, he did not hit any of them against Westfield. Yeah. Um, I think he's shooting somewhere in the low thirties, which for a big is, is, is good. And it definitely becomes an option. Um, but they were very comfortable with his shot selection, at least in real time. Now maybe that's something they review later, but you know, he is, if he can hit that shot and as athletic as he is, as, as quick, you know, as he's springy, he's got good size. I mean, he's, he's a problem then at that three, a level, especially. And, and Brooks is just a problem anyway. He's such a matchup problem. Uh, Westfield was struggling with him, especially for the first three quarters. Um, you could see his legs kind of, he sort of got fatigued during the fourth quarter and that's where the depth kind of comes in. Not that you're going to take him out of the game a whole lot, but, Right, because you had mentioned Sullivan, and they've you know, and they've got the Thornton, and and um, trying to get to their roster real quick because the one kid's name is going to escape me. Yeah, they've got the, the the Darion Thornton, yeah, uh, plays a big role for them. Six four wing, who's who's nice, athletic, and then it's um, and then Zion Rhodes is the kid whose name I had to look up was a six three wing. He starts for them. And, and he's not a like a go-to offensive option, but he is a he's a solid defender and, and he and he rebounds pretty well too. But but oh, outside boy. of that, because you had mentioned the younger Sullivan, right? When you yep. you talked yep. about him, I mean, he plays he played probably three minutes that game, and that's kind of on par with what his per game what his per game averages are. And then they do have a couple of kids that are listed on the roster that really didn't get much clock against Westfield. Um, you know, from the size perspective, but, um, but no, I think, 
but one through five, I think they're as good as anybody in three A. That's I guess that's kind of where I'm going with it. But their depth is is going to be an issue. Um, Northwood, I think we everybody sort of agreed they were going to be part of that mix. Have you yeah, seen them sure. yet? Yep. Can't remember what. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They um, um, good I mix. Mean, Cade, of... Yeah, Cade Brenner's really really talented, and and him and Rash, uh, Ian Rash, and and. Nitarian Tuggle and, and Coach Wolfson, right? Those are their four yep. main cogs. Right. And then they have a couple seniors also that are that play some important roles that you're not afraid to have out on the floor. They have a little bit of depth too. Same a little probably a little bit more than Marion, I would think, uh, on guys that you can you feel more comfortable in the game or, and relying on. But other than that, and then we have the little rash also. Right. Little, big little rash. I don't know how you Yeah, the six seven. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and everybody I named were underclassmen. So anytime right. you, you know that that's your that's your talent base, and, and you've got size. There's a mix of size there because Ian's six five, six six. His younger brother's six seven. Um, Tuggles probably six one, six two, and he's extremely strong. He's a football player as well. Yep. Um, you know, Kate had a tremendous summer after a great school year, and and is following up with a, with a really good school year this year. He's got. Some Division One schools looking at him, mainly Belmont and Bellarmine, um, as well as the host of Crossroads Leagues, and and I'm sure the, the D two schools in state are taking a peek too. They need to they need to be on board, whole body and soul with him. Um, the GLVC teams, they just they just need to. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, those those guys are all underclassmen. So anybody else you name are going to be seniors, and those guys are going to bring experience to the floor. So. Yeah, they got a they got a little bit of a test this week at Richmond, the Richmond tournament too. I feel like they play they Bloomington South on the radar there, and then uh, yep. who else? Northrop's in that tournament, so it could be interesting for them. I got I was getting ready to say you really can't judge these three these three and two and one A schools by their record sometimes because a lot of those teams they get beat by or they're them scheduling up. Right, um, and then Connorsville loses to Monroe Central. Now, look, Monroe Central is 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 going to. I mean, it's having a good year, you know, and they're going to be. Um, I want to get their record real quick. Um, you know, they came in, they returned a lot. They returned pretty much the core of what their offensive production was last year, and they're eight and zero. And I'm not entirely sure. What do we have them? I mean, I didn't have them in our top 10 either. So we missed on them too. If you look at the 1A stuff, I know I had them on my next, let me look where that is. Yeah. I mean, I had them in like a mix of six other teams. Um, so we kind of missed on them too. And they've been impressive in some of their wins, even before when they beat Northeastern, that is, that is good this year. Northeastern is, well, they're five and three, but, um, you know, they beat a, a lapel team that's got some young kids that gave Anderson some fits. Uh, then they jump up and beat uh, Connersville and Bloomington North. So uh, this this past weekend, but um, no, it, it's um, I, I think that our top five is is pretty solid. I think it's and not necessarily in this order, but Burbuff, Connersville, Mishawaka, Marion, North Harrison, Northwood. And then I think you definitely Leo is part of that mix. Nick had Leo very high on his list, so clearly I just missed on him. I just wasn't paying attention. 
to the to the finality of the Bontrager thing and 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 um and the hit the height the height shoe piece and and Lagrange. Um, I, I think you've got to throw in obviously Brownstown Central in there. Kind of felt they would be have a good year as well. Um, and then you've got the the groups of you got the teams of Danville and Beach Grove. Beach Grove's off to a good start. Danville's having a traditionally good start. Um, anybody else in your area that kind of needs to be mentioned in this mix? Yeah, we went, we talked off air a little bit about John Glenn. Uh, they've got three seniors that are tough for them. Played together all through middle school and elementary school. Um, and then the Bryson Hanna is a junior for them. He's the coach's son, big force underneath, uh, does about everything you ask a big to do six, three, six, four ish, maybe. Uh, but he is strong ox like guy, uh, big baseball player too. I was going to say, uh, yeah, he's a, he plays a lot of baseball in the spring yeah. and summer. Yep. So he's not a, not a guy that gets around too much in the summer stuff, but saw him at the top 100 and he's definitely, definitely a stout kid. So yes. How, what, tell us a little bit about the Kaiser kid, the senior guard they've got. Yeah. Silas is a pretty good lead guard for them. Pretty good defender as well. He likes to get to the basket, uh, distributes it well and rebounds his position pretty well. Also. Yeah. You know, I mean, up there, you've got that group. I, I know I'd already touched on Beach Grove. Peru's undefeated. Chatard's undefeated. Culver Academy's still going to be in the mix as well. I mean, that's – I mean, I, I think it's still wide open. I, But I do think those – the five teams that we talked about beginning of the year, plus Leo and Brownstown, I mean, I think those guys, that's a pretty strong base of teams that's going to be hard to hard to click through. Um, but it, but it, there's not any dominant force. Um, it, it's it, so far three A and four A both are more wide open than what they were last year. Of course, everything last year was revolving around Silver Creek. And, you know, I think all of it is wide open. I think everybody thought B- Barry was a hands-on favorite. I mean, Karma was probably the of the of the four classes. Karma was probably the one with the 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 tougher right, the toughest route, or the the, right. the hardest. You know to to conceive when they just go, they're not, they weren't going to walk through. We all kind of thought Silver Creek would, would be a force. Of course, they struggled with Connersville. Uh, we, we thought Blackhawk Christian would be a two, a force. They were, we thought Bar Reeve would be a one, a force. They were, although they, they obviously have a very tough sectional. Um, so way, way more wide open this year than in the for past. Sure. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to our top game, top team, top player features. And we'll, we'll also, talk about any young guys if if it applied i know you just saw one game this week so i'm gonna let i'm gonna give you that game and then we'll finish up with some any odd scoring anomalies that we saw this this past week of games we didn't attend i've already touched on one of them so we'll talk a little bit about that and then we'll wrap her up so what was your top game well your only game of the week was so i've i've decided to give our listeners a break and let you talk about that game and and roll on so top game of the week was what game Carmel Valpo. Nice. Carmel Valpo game. Yeah, it was a let's, cool. Let's go. Let's hear about it. 330 game. Uh they they just showed that that they're at the top like they should be. I feel like with those 4A teams, um Valpo would I know they're ranked ahead of them. Uh just 
they don't have the pieces. They don't have much around. I mean, I, I don't want to say they don't have much around uh, Mason Jones, but he doesn't really have like a second. There's no second scoring option necessarily for them. And, and I felt like that showed in this game. Uh, I, I don't know if you agree or what you thought of Valpo, it, what expectations you maybe had for them coming in. Well, I wanted to see, I had to see more from Walls. Yeah. And my thought on the on Valpo was how do they compare to Chesterton? Now, I've not seen Chesterton yet. I'm going to take care of that tomorrow. Um, as we publish this on Monday, uh, I'll be able to see them on Tuesday. I, I definitely want to see, because we had sort of brought Chesterton into this mix last week of top 4A teams. Right. Um, even though I was pretty high on them to begin with, their you know their win over Homestead basically cemented them as they're the they're the top team in the region now. I mean that's just how that goes. And I don't again like we just said in the three A stuff. I don't think any of these teams are are, are unbeatable by any stretch. Um, but Valpo, I know the pieces Chesterton has. I haven't seen them play yet during the school season. I saw them in the fall. I've seen some of their kids in the, in the, in the summer. I'm sorry. I saw them in, in June and I've seen some of their kids play other places in the summer as well as in the fall. Uh, I just felt that Chesterton had some more pieces and their Valpo's game against Carmel didn't change that. We all know rankings, especially at the voting AP level uh, are just sort of report cards as who has the best, as to who has the best record. So none right. of that stuff means much to us. That's why we're doing that three a, that's why we're doing the hierarchy things. Um, we've not seen anything yet to change who we think uh, of the top three teams we thought coming in, we still think they're part of the mix. We've just added some teams, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know that we add Valpo yet. That doesn't mean they can't get through, but I think Chesterton is the class of the region. Now what Valpo didn't have is any other size besides Mason Jones. That is appears to be a regular contributor, right? Right. Right. Exactly. He got yeah. into foul trouble. Yep. a little bit, and then they brought somebody off the bench that doesn't play a lot who just happens to be six 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 seven. Um, whoever number 42 is, I have to look now. feel bad for not knowing that. Um, Kuka's the last name. Yeah. So they're, they're running Jack Kuka in with, you know, two minutes to go in the second quarter or two minutes to go in the third quarter, and he's just not the same – not you know he's not the same caliber of kid as Mason you know and that's not to talk bad that's how good Mason Jones is you know and right. Mason he, he didn't he wasn't very aggressive at all until it was decided I mean Carmel yeah. had that game they were up by 22 at one point yeah uh, we had we had the technical right yeah um there were some free throws made and then they they scored that possession so basically they had like a quick 6-0 spurt right there where they climbed back in it and that just meant that Carmel wasn't going to empty their bench, but the Carmel got a little careless against their press. Um, and credit Valpo for not giving up. I mean, they, if they were, if they could have continued to do what they did and had two more minutes, that game could have got down to one possession. It may have gotten interesting, but it, but it never did get to that point. They, yeah. they still lost by 13, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, walls needed to do more. He did have some nice plays. He definitely had some nice shots off the dribble oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, Whack but the other guys hurt. do what? Josh Wack on him shut, kind of shut him down. Yeah, I agree. And and they, they've got other kids who can't shoot for sure. And that's, you know, they got – but that's kind of all they can do right now. Yeah. At least that's what it seems like. Um, right. 
Now, is that enough a lot of times for Mason Jones to have a really good game and and Walls to be able to have more space to operate? Probably is. You know, when I was doing some research on them, you know, they've it, it seems like they've always got five guys that are hitting threes every game. Yeah. Aside from Mason. Right. Who's not right. a bad shooter his own right, especially for his size. Um, but, yeah, I was – they're not very long on the wing. They're not very long elsewhere other than Mason Jones, as far as the regular contributors. And I think ultimately that's where they lose out because I think Chesterton can throw a bunch of six, four, six, six kids on them who are probably equally as skilled to everybody besides walls and, and Jones. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And they've got, you know, they've, and they might, you know, they might be able to do a good job on, on Grayson, on Travis Grayson. But again, it's just those other bodies that that Chesterton has, and I know we're straying away from this game. But I, I view Valpo in, in the context of region teams, and and that's I I want to see you know there I'll see Chesterton again. I'll see Chesterton this week, and and from there I get a better feel, and I'll see Crown Point too. So I'll right. get a chance to see two of the top teams, at least at the four A level, out of the region, and that'll give me. And I've already seen Hammond play, so getting to a point now where we're getting pretty rounded out, but I've felt coming in a couple of weeks ago that maybe Valpo, maybe Chesterton was the top group. I can't remember where I thought that group was going. I don't know if I had Chesterton and Valpo as part of that mix. Um, but yeah, right now I might think the big edge on Chesterton for, or for Chesterton in that regard. And, and in large part because Valpo, once you get past Mason and Walls, it, they're nice players who, who are skilled, but they're not, they're not just game changers just yet, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> uh, my top game of the week was Mount Vernon versus Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle uh, Newcastle led most of the game, but could never really – I, you know, at one point they were in double digits too, and, and sort of Mount Vernon was kind of playing uninspired. But, but they've got the twins. They've, they've got the Gerard twins, Ahmad and, and, and Armand, who both are going to IUPUI. Extremely springy, extremely skilled. Uh, really good vision. I mean, these guys can make plays, and when they're engaged, they're they're extremely tough out. And for basically two and a half quarters, I don't want to say that. And it's not just them. It's it was Mount Vernon as a whole was sort of coasting for two and a half quarters, and then they got going a little bit. And Newcastle stopped hitting shots. They uh, Gavin Welch, who was really really good in the first half against Mount Vernon. Uh, wasn't getting the same kind of looks or wasn't being as aggressive as he was in the first half when the second half came around. Uh, Mount Vernon sort of climbed their way into it. Then they then they started pressing, and that really sped Newcastle up. And it, not only just in terms of turnovers, but in terms of quality of shots. And they, um, they went on an 8-0 run quickly that took them from down six to up two. And then from that point on, they just kind of stretched it out each way and and, you know, Mount Vernon's one of those teams that I, I think they're definitely a threat to win. Them. Definitely a favorite, if not, you know, or a threat, if not a favorite to win their sectional. But from there, um, we'll see. They don't have a lot of size. Uh, their size comes from a football player uh, who, who's pretty talented and was, was an all-conference kid, but he's 6'4". Uh, there's going to be some legitimate length in their way, especially as they get into the regional uh, outside of their sectional. Um, but, uh, you know, they're definitely going to be a piece and, and, a, and a team to look at in sectional nine. But then beyond that, we'll, we'll see. It'll be a struggle from there to get past the 10, 11, and 12 winners. But 
that was that was the best game of the week, and it was a good game. I love going to Newcastle. It's a fabulous gym. I'm going to be there later this week for the Hall of Fame. Um, looking forward to those games. But but yeah, Newcastle um, look was looking really good. The second time I'd seen them play, and they were playing better against Mount Vernon than they had earlier in the year against Hamilton Heights. But then Mount Vernon sort of put the wood to them there halfway through the second quarter, halfway through the third quarter, and that became uh, that became that. So. <laughs> Who's your top team of the week? Carmel. Sticking with that. My my single game, Carmel's my top team. Yeah, that's uh, true. And then, then my best player is Pete Suter. Just uh, we talked about it earlier. He, he scored three points, but but the amount of points he prevented also. I mean, locking down Mason Jones is not an easy task. And he was able to do that and stay out of foul trouble himself. But we also talked about how he was able to <clears throat> contribute in different ways also with the nine rebounds and five or six assists and just a difference maker on defense. Uh, we kind of talked about that during the game, actually, that he is probably the best defender in the state or if not top two or three. I mean, well, Pete Suter's I mean, going to lock guys down. They got two of them. Yeah. That's for that's sure. Right. You asked her, you asked her in the game when I thought of him defensively. And, and my, I mean, I said if he wasn't – if Josh Wack wasn't the best defender – then it was him. And right. he, he's been drawing tough assignments since his freshman year. And it's always been a part of his game. Um, and, and it's always been impressive at how willing he is to take those challenges. But we talked a little bit before we started recording about, and I've mentioned it on here that, you know, Carmel isn't clicking yet offensively, but then you see what they did the Valpo with him just scoring three points. Now he still right. made a difference <laughs> in other ways. So it wasn't like there was some sort of empty set and everybody else sort of carried him. He had nine rebounds, five assists that game. So he's he's always playmaking. I think the question is going to be, is can they, if they need it, can they get all three of those guys cooking? And then they've got some other pieces, like Jared Bonds can come up and have a, have a good game. Spencer White can have a good game. They get good shooting and space from Burke Weldy. Um, you know, that's going to be the the thing that they're going to be. Um, you know, Garway Dual had a, had a great game for them, especially defensively, the things he can create defensively. For, sure. for them, that's a, that's a transfer from Houston that we've not really spent a whole any time talking about. He's gotten a little bit of publicity on Twitter, uh, but a lot of it is the intriguing assets of his length and spring and things like that. And offensively, still a ways to go, especially without the basketball. But but um, you know, Carmel can go out and win that game and be impressive against an undefeated Balpo team with Pete having a low scoring game. It's a testament to his playmaking, but it's also a testament to the fact that Charlie Williams and Sam Orm and Spencer White and Jared Bonds can, can provide support when need be. I mean, White had 10 or eight against New Albany, you know, was there, was their second leading score that game. And, um, you know, they've got a lot of weapons. They just haven't really clicked yet. I don't, and, and it may not matter if they keep winning, but, but there'll be a game where they needed to. And I kind of thought the Homestead game was was that game. But uh, my best team of the week, I'm going to go with Connorsville just to keep it, give you the Carmel Valpo stuff. I, of course, Connorsville then ended up turning around losing to Monroe Central. But but their their win against Greenfield Central earlier in the week was impressive. They are they have a number of guys who can hit shots. Um, their their best player is is uh, Phillips and. Um, their, their best player is Toby Billups, 5'11", senior. But then they've also got Josh Williams, who's an outstanding scorer and, and has really good vision off the dribble. 
Um, I thought Caleb Sparks was a kid that I didn't know a whole lot about. He shot the ball extremely well for them. Um, Lucas Barron is, is more of a known quantity for them. Um, but he's even expanded his range, but he's also improved his scoring off the dribble. He was, to me, he was the, mo- the most impressive piece of that game was, was uh, Lucas Barron. And then Gage Brown is a nice interior player for them that I think will help them, you know, against, he'll have his hands full this weekend uh, for sure. He'll definitely have his hands full against Westfield and then whoever they play between Homestead and Cathedral. I mean, Gage Brown is going to feel like he's <laughs> the back end of a dartboard because as good as Connorsville is defensively, and they probably are one of the top. You, you can ask Silver Creek last year. Uh, Brandon Hoffman, Coach Hoffman, you can ask them how good Connorsville is defensively and how they almost escaped from that semi-state and, and upset Silver Creek. But but Connorsville's probably – we talk about Connorsville defensively in 3A like we talk about Carmel, Homestead. Um, you know, and I'm sure watching Cathedral will feel the same way about their defense. But, but Connorsville defensively is – I mean, I would be challenged to think who would even be close to them defensively. But Gage Brown is their lone legitimate big, and he's going to have to be the difference maker when they play the, you know, teams like Cathedral, like Westfield, like Homestead. You know, he's he'll be on the spot this week defensively for sure. So they were my best team of the week. Um, my best player of the week, I'm going to go just – on a, on a projection basis, because I was really impressed with Micah Davis at Franklin. Saw him earlier in the week. Um, probably could go if I went with performance, probably could go with Anthony Ball from Beach Grove that same game. So I'm sort of cheating right now. Um, I mean, Ball was – I probably should just go with Ball, but I'll talk a little bit about both. But Ball, just a moose inside for them and, and a guy that can also drive from, from mid-range catches. Um you know, I think as he, he improves his range, he can extend that aspect of his game a little bit more as far as the ability to drive closeouts. But but he definitely can hit from 12 to 15 feet, and you've got to go get him, and then he's bound, one dribble bouncing right at the rim. Uh, Micah Davis, I thought, was as extremely controlled with the dribble. He's got a lot of shake to his game. He'll get in the paint, kind of wiggle his way through and find the next play. I love that he didn't force shots. I love that he was looking for people, that he wasn't just a guy that was penetrating to, to score. He was penetrating to make the next play. And Franklin, I think Franklin will struggle to be in conversation at the 4A level, but they will they'll improve, and they've got shooters around him that can, um, you know, keep, give him space or give him options either way. He'll either have the space to create for himself or he'll have options to kick out, and and those guys can, can hit shots. And, the Beach Grove Franklin game was was a pretty good challenge to the game that I saw at Connor or at Newcastle, um, but I, I would say Ball and, and Micah Davis probably right there both with my top top player of the week. So, well, Zach, as always, I appreciate your time and those that listen every week. We thank you for subscribing and coming back. Those that are listening for the first time, hopefully, you will uh, hit that subscribe button and join us each week. We're pretty much here every week. We're not taking any breaks off over the holidays. Uh, So for Zach, thanks again for, for your time and everybody else. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. 